up, Long Players? Welcome to the Long Play Listening Party short episode this week. Just checking in with Corey Kibler, returning guest. What's up, Corey? Hey. And we are putting something in your feed, whether uh, if you're celebrating a, a holiday this week or not, um, or if you're celebrating Indigenous Peoples Month, maybe. Um, I assume, I should have looked this up beforehand. I assume that choice to juxtapose those things was intentionally made by the indigenous folks who um, advocated for Indigenous Peoples Month. I really hope that wasn't a colonizer decision to put those two together. (laughs) I know. I'm going to have to look at it. I'm going to put it in the show notes because now I need to know that. Um, Anyway, uh, here to talk with Corey about uh, projects and kind of the point. We've both got things going on. We're going to just do a quick update, but this is sort of less self-promotion it is self-promotion but kind of less self-promotion and more sharing process under the idea and assumption that like as artists and as creative people whether you're a cook or a painter you know whatever your um sort of creative thing or things are i think learning about process is fascinating and it gives you tools to keep in the back of your mind for when you're stuck or if you want to try something different, maybe, or if you just are looking for some affirmation, you know, there's different ways of doing things, and that's a fun space to explore. So we're going to share some of the ways that we're working um, and hope that it sort of sparks something for you. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah. Yes. It's nice to see you. I don't think you've been on the show since we did the Shacker mastering yeah, thing yeah. it was a long which time was like a ago, year and yeah. a half ago and i could not yeah. when i looked back i could not believe you had not been on this year i can't it, i can't believe it was already a year and a half ago like i if you would have asked me yesterday like when it was i would have said oh it was like six months ago yeah but time doesn't mean anything anymore it doesn't so no we are <laughs> that, that shacker this is how my weird brain thinks of things <clears throat> that shacker episode was like three percent of my entire lifespan ago <laughs> Oh like, of God. the time, if the time I've spent conscious on this earth is 100%, that Shacker episode is like 3% ago. Oh, my God. I like that. I like looking at it at that way. <laughs> it's weird that it's weird to me that it's a measurable percentage. Yeah, totally. It should be like mathematically nothing, but. Right. That's how it, it was. It, emotionally, that's how it feels. It feels like yeah. it should be nothing. Yeah. All right. So, Corey, um, you got several projects. Cooking, yeah, like normal, but like mm-hmm. tell us you want to tell us about Van Ripper and Galactivator or do you want to tell us about your novel or what do you want to talk about? Um, I'll just kind of gloss over a few things that I have like super real quickly. Um, so Van Ripper and Galactivator is the hip hop project I have with a high school friend named Mike, who's a professional uh, musician and teacher uh, who lives in L.A. We went to high school together. That's been thrilling. Somehow over the few years we've we've amassed about an album's worth of songs, um, which is awesome. And I'll, I'll talk about process stuff later, uh, but that's a really good example of something I want to share. Um, working on stories, trying to edit a novel. Um, that's that's taken a long time, but I'm plowing through. Um, doing Slowly doing some hip-hop stuff with Howie, who's doing all sorts of fun stuff with his 404 and elsewhere. It's been thrilling. Um, and uh, I have a a bunch of solo guitar based demos in a Google drive folder that is for some time, <laughs> sometime soon. Let's yeah. So tell me, let's start with the guitar demos. Like 
how have you been assembling them? It's been a while since you put out a guitar kind of songwriter record. It was a really long time, yeah. Have you been recording them like one every six months or do you like write them down and now you're doing a batch of demos kind of all at once or how have you gotten to this stage? So um, what would happen is that I, so my guitar music sort of inspiration kind of ebbs and flows depending on what else is going on. Um, but when I'm in that kind of headspace for like several months, I will, I think like a lot of songwriters just sort of make up melodies in my head or to hum all the time. Um, and most of them are just goofy throwaways. Like I'm singing about taking out the trash or picking out books or something for, for bedtime. <laughs> but um, sometimes I'll, I'll be goofing around or something and I'll sing a melody in the shower and I'll go, Oh wow, that's pretty good. Um, and you know, at the time you don't know if that's true or not necessarily, but you get inspired. And so I would just sit down and figure out what the chords were, um, and sing it into my phone. Um, I'd either kind of like lorem ipsum the lyrics mm -hmm. and just use a lot of short, short, uh, you know, monosyllabic words or whatever to just like plow through, um, and then see if anything else came to mind. So I have like all these demos are, they have at least like a, a verse and a chorus melody and those parts, a lot of them don't have lyrics. None of them have full arrangement or anything like that. Um, and the lyrics aren't final by any means. It's just from the last, oh God, like six or seven years, just all of the detritus, like from sitting down. Um, sometimes that comes from sitting down with my guitar too. Like I'll come up with a a guitar part and I'm like, wow, this is really cool, but I haven't done anything else with it. Yeah. So what's in your Google folder is mostly voice memos, a few with guitar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that's mostly, what you're working from. Yeah. There's probably about 30, 30. Um, most of them, I would say like 20 or 25 of them are me humming or kind of making up words along to my guitar, just like, yeah, singing into my phone. A few are, and I think you've done this a million times before me, like walking someplace and thinking of a cool melody and then breathily, huffily singing the melody into my phone and then listening back later and going, ugh. You can't, like, remember what chords you imagined in the background, so you kind of have to, like, reimagine it. Yeah, I have to. Uh, so for me, it's uh, those ideas that come out of dreams or, like, first thing in the morning when I'm still in bed and I'm, like, leaned over the side of the bed on my stomach, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to make a pitch into the iPad. And, uh, oh man, the mouth noises I have to edit out of my own demos from those mm -hmm. early morning sessions are horrible. <laughs> it's like, was I eating mayonnaise? Why was I eating mayonnaise? <laughs> what, what is it about early morning that, that makes, it's always when I'm half asleep, maybe it's in the middle of the night, but usually in the, in the morning, right when I wake up, it's like, I'll think of a melody or an idea. And I guess it's because I don't have like the the rest of the day's junk in my head or because yep. I'm just tired enough to not have a filter. I think it's the filter. It's like, I'm not letting myself like, I'm just thinking. Absolutely. Same meta some people. And this happens to me sometimes in the shower. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't usually get like a fresh new song in the shower, but sometimes if there's something I'm trying to write, if I'm trying to write lyrics or trying to write a melody to an instrumental demo that I've been listening to, sometimes that breakthrough will be in the shower again, where you're just, I think it's that same combination. That's the filter of the day is not really there yet. There's just no distractions yet. And also there's like a body thing, I think, of like being mm -hmm. 
um, or, or like walking, like you're saying. So doing something with your body or being in a, a state of like low level body stimulation and comfort kind of mm-hmm. that's really can facilitate creativity. I think uh, something I keep learning over and over and over again is that, that my best my best or most inspiring ideas come when I'm not aiming at them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I've read an article about like people who have the goal of being happy. Like if you aim directly at just happy, it's a lot harder to get there. If you're aiming at, I'm going to write a good song. It's really hard to get there. And I keep doing it. I keep sitting down and being like, I'm going to write something good. Cause I want it to be good. Right. But like, it just ends in frustration and like, right. Like I have to be so many of my best ideas come from just from literal jokes. Like I'm just goofing around. Um, like one of my favorite songs that I've written is one of the stupidest songs I've ever written, but it's uh, when I was a young girl um, and it is an absurd kind of obscene, but also um, sweetly endearing song to me. And I just made it up while I was doing dishes one time to annoy my um, wife. and. Um, it did work, and but I was like, that's really pretty, and I really like it, and I'm going to put it on a record, and I wrote it in like no time. I mean, it's a short song, but I wrote it in like literally two minutes, and I remember her saying, what a shame to ruin such a pretty song with such lyrics. <laughs> but no, the, that juxtaposition is the whole, like what makes that song work. It, if it was just a pretty little fluff, it, mm-hmm. You wouldn't remember it necessarily. Yeah. And you kind of, uh, what's the, I think on the same record, there's like a Harry Potter sort of song. Oh, uh, there is on a sleepover record. There's a song called wizard sex. Yeah. Wizard sex. Yeah. That was the same sort of thing. I got done with reading Harry Potter and I was bummed, you know, after you finish a book series, you're just like, well, now what do I do with my life? Who am I? You know? And so I had like, at first I had like a sincere thought about like, well, maybe if I can't read it anymore, I'll make some like Harry Potter related art. And it was kind of a kind of a joke because like, I don't know what that would look like or whatever. But then I thought about uh, kind of like the unresolved like uh, love stories in Harry Potter, um, not just like with the main characters, but with a, a lot of people. And I was like, well, that's kind of a sad. It's kind of tragic in some ways. There's a lot of like not just unrequited, but like, you know, Shakespearean kind of tragic love, like, you know, one or one or both people bite it. So, um, yeah. So it was neat. It was neat to write a love song with that kind of backdrop. Probably the name of this song has maybe driven some people away from listening to a song that they, <laughs> that they might've liked, but I, I like it. That was, we'll yes, that was a total sure. goof. I got it. Yeah. Okay. So I have two, I have two thoughts. And then I want to ask you about, uh, Van Ripper and Galactivator, but like, uh, number one, you look great. You're oh, glowing. You. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, my name two, on this, I think, is Glossy Glossy Filter Corey, because my camera oh, on my go. Mac, it looks like I'm did, getting a glamour shot at the mall. It does look like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, number two, I would love to make a kid's record with you, so start saving those, like, picking up books songs. Wouldn't that be amazing? We could... I, I'm dead serious, and we could do it kind of Me cool too. drug style and yeah. and low key, and we could make a really great kids' record. I think I would love that. I as right as a parent, I um I take in a lot a lot of content meant for children. 
And some of it is some of it is very good. I think children's programming has gotten a lot better in that um, adults can are like, wow, okay, this is really good. I wouldn't have watched it if I didn't have a child, but it is really good. But there's a lot of children's music, especially that I think is like it doesn't. I feel like it doesn't give the kids enough credit or something. Like it's kind of spoon feeding them, and like kids get stuff and they get weird jokes and they get goofiness and they get like you know some abstract stuff um and they liked being talked to like they can get it you know what i mean yeah like there's this like certain voice that that people use even with like older kids with a baby or an infant it makes sense or a toddler but when older kids um like have a have an adult talk to them like that they're like what are you doing i don't understand so it'd be neat to make some music legit genuinely good music you know i'll aim for that it has to be really good first of all but um <laughs> but just like don't but really fun just like like fun music that talks about things i think kids need to hear or i would like my child to hear at least um and like i think it'd be a like a barrel of fun like tons of tambourines and egg shakers yeah yeah <laughs> you know? put it uh we're putting it out there um okay so quick uh, Van Ripper and Galactivator, and this kind of links up in terms of like the best ideas being a joke, right? Because the uh, the the whole concept of like Corey Kibler's a rapper <laughs> is like a setup, right? 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 It is it is weird. Um, and again, like so for a long time, I was like, man, I love hip hop. I would love to do it in some way, but I right, I think I mentioned this in an email that it just felt like I didn't have like uh, like I wasn't allowed or like I wasn't. You don't want to be Macklemore, right? No, 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 exactly. No, I don't want to do that. And I don't want to, I would, the last thing I would ever want to do is to like dismiss or disrespect or something like that, the genre, because I love it so much. So it's like, how can I do this in a way that honors the art form and that is genuinely me because I don't want to play a character or anything yep. like that. Right. Um, but I remembered I did do some goofy songs with, with uh, my friend, Mike Papani from LA um, right after college, I was like trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I was back in Ventura, California, and he was there and uh, he was going to the Music Musicians Institute in L.A., uh, but he was back for the summer and we just wanted to do something. And so we just started goofing around and it was goofy. Um, but listening back, those songs like actually had some pretty good stuff in them. Um, and we did them really quickly. So they weren't like the best thing. They could have been, or at least from my perspective, he did a great job, but like lyrically and performance wise, you know, that's when my, my, my work ethic, especially for recording vocals was very, was not what it is now. Um, and so when he reached out again and he was like, I'm desperate, like I live in LA and I'm surrounded by these musicians, but none of them want to make anything I'm interested in. Um, and it's actually really hard to find people. So I was like, yeah, let's do this. And he's a brilliant producer and it's so mismatched, like as far as acumen, um, but it's, it's a really good match as far as like what we both bring to the table for this, yeah, yeah. for this project. Like he, the, the things that I'm able to bring are, are things that are difficult for him. And I have no talent whatsoever when it comes to producing beats. I've just never tried and, and all that stuff. Um, so, uh, it's, it's great. And right. Anytime I've tried to write a good song for Van Ripper and Galactivator, I end up rewriting it. Um, like every single time. And I, I don't know if I've learned my lesson yet, but I'm sure I will someday. But uh, my favorite songs have just been me writing things that sound, sound cool. Like, 
you know, not just the prosody, but just like the 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 message themselves or something like that. And that also feel like they're distinctly me, I guess. Absolutely. Um, and that's been super fun. And I've actually like, I've gotten to the point where I feel like I'm actually learning some actual lessons about emceeing and writing. Like, I feel like I'm like, wow, I'm like, you know, I'm not like Nas or anything. I'm getting the hang of it a little bit right, more right. than I would have, you know? There's like some style there, I guess. There is some style, and and you're bringing in your storytelling interest, right? And kind of developing a little narrative, or, um, yeah, right. I'm like really paint, into it, obviously. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Painting a like I love like painting a sort of like a visual, whether whether it's a story or not, but just like setting the scene. I think it's so great. I think for that reason, um, our our Halloween song, RIP, Recent Pieces, is like my my favorite song that we've done. Not just because I love Halloween, not just because Mike absolutely killed the beat. Oh, my God. There's some really cool production in that, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. Like the, right, we talk about time and there's like a grandfather clock digging and like the sound of pop rocks being shuffled around in the bottom of a bag. Like all of it's so good. But I just told this, like, it's it's like one of the few times in my in my songwriting career where I've like kind of impressed myself or I'm like, this is great. This worked out exactly how I hoped it would. Um, and it's just a great, a great cautionary tale. <laughs> I'll try and um, I forget what Van Ripper and Galactivator songs actually have uh, on the studio computer, but I know I have some. So I'll find one and we'll go out on that. Um, to make sure that listeners can hear can hear a track, sure. And I and I have some final waves I can send you to if you want. Um, I can make a note of that. Um, how like uh, we've talked a, a little bit about this before, but I would like to know when you start writing lyrics or a riff or whatever, like what does that look like? Do you ever sit down to purposely write a song, or when does it go from goofing around to a song for you? Yeah, and so this is kind of a perfect. Uh, transition into the one thing I wanted to talk about because uh, I had a super creative day this past Sunday and I I want to talk about it a little bit just for my own kind of to get it down and like remember what this was like because it happens it's something that's happened to me before um, but I haven't really thought to capture it and like talk about it or write about it right after it happens so I wanted right. to do that so um, when I started writing. Uh, I would write on legal pads, and I still do. And I would write sort of guitar tab. So the tab, I would I would write out the chords in tab form. Um, if I had a melody, I would write that out in tab form usually as a way to remember. Um, I was not very good at notating rhythm, and so sometimes if I recorded the song relatively soon after, that was not a problem. But sometimes now, if I'm going back to really old sheets i have no idea kind of yeah. what the tempo or the rhythm was and sometimes it will come back to me and sometimes it won't and it's almost like just a new piece of raw material like right. well this is an idea i had once i wonder if i can make i probably can't recapture the original idea but maybe i can make something good out of it still right and then you know by the mid i didn't really do demos at first but by the mid 2000s i was more doing demos sometimes and that would be more of an intentional, like like studio demo, like sit down with a microphone and a 
relatively complete song and like bash it out. And then, you know, by, I don't know, 2010 or 2012 more, it was more getting into that voice memo, iPad, a more informal demo, quote, air quote, demo kind of thing. So my song sheets, I've always kept in a milk crate of manila folders once once I had enough to accumulate. And there's stuff going all the way back in that milk crate. Um. And then my recorded demos, my collection point has been iTunes ever since I've had iTunes. So I don't know, 03, 04 or something like that. That has been my collection point. And I, um, you know, I love to do like a batch of songs that like I don't typically start recording until I have my songs picked out, whether it's going to be an EP or an LP. And I know what I'm trying to record and that iTunes stuff, it's very fluid. And I, I will move, a demo might start, and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be Howie and Scott, and it moves over to MS Ride. Sure. Or it moves to Cool Drugs. Or recently, I've been, sometimes I'll come across something, I'll be like, oh, this actually should go on the 404, now that that's an option for me. That's awesome. So things move around, and I make playlists, and I change the library and, and shuffle all around. So does that give you kind of a picture of my system, such as it is? It it does, and um, and maybe you'll talk about this a little bit. Um, but I I'm curious to know, like, wh- okay, when you have the idea, like the, maybe the rough melody and some chords and stuff like that. There's a there's the um, there's a phase between having that and then having a full song where you have to make choices. And there's some things that I do like writing where it almost seems like the choices are obvious. Like I just need to find them, and I just make them. And it is like just a fluid thing. Like it might be a little difficult. Maybe it's challenging. But then once I land on the right answer, you know, for me, then I'm like, got it. With so- with songwriting, sometimes I'm overwhelmed by choices. Like how long do I do this part? What comes next? How do I end it? Does this chord sound better at the end of a of the chorus or does this chords sound better or something like that so does it just like happen organically for you or do you have to make a lot of conscious decisions about what it's going to be well of course it's a mix of both and the more organic the better when i oh and you kind of asked so i never sit down to write basically wow okay it is always coming out of a dream well a dream that's less common that's like 10 percent maybe it's usually coming out of just noodling. So like warming up, you know, getting ready, for, you know, a band practice, just fooling around or when I'm working on pedal designs, just, you know, or I just sit down to to goof around without necessarily intending to write and something catches my ear. Right. Okay. Um, with the synth stuff, it's really like a technical, like I'm like, okay, I want to do a song with a, and I want to use an envelope in this certain way. So I'm starting with like a technical idea and then seeing what kind of emerges out of that. So that's a very different kind of process. Um, but when I'm writing like like songs, like guitar stuff, once I notice that I've had an initial idea that I like, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to write three parts. So like a verse, chorus, bridge. And I'm trying to hum a vocal melody. So in an ideal world, 
that little voice memo ends up having three instrumental sections and some idea about a vocal melody. I don't always get there. Sometimes it's only two instrumental sections. Sometimes it's only one. Sometimes I can't think of a vocal. So there's a whole range of how they actually end up, but that's my goal is like three idea, three instrumental ideas and a vocal melody, even for one of those sections. That's sure. like a really good demo to me. Do you often, when you listen back to those three instrumental sessions, do you often, do they often stay more or less how they were? Or do you listen back later and go, oh, I would definitely change this? I, so the, my demos are not usually arranged because that's going to end up being determined by the vocals. Right. But I very rarely change, if I get three instrumental ideas or two, I very rarely change anything about them. Right. Okay. Because they all, it's all about capturing that initial vibe for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and having that kind of beginner's mind and that kind of, like we were talking about earlier, that kind of, that stuff is like bubbling up from an unconscious place. And I want to keep as much of it as possible. Yeah. That's like, that's a really exciting moment when you realize you have an idea that you like and you start getting really excited about it, which is also why it can be heartbreaking later when you can't remember exactly how you played it. I've learned my lesson so many times about making sure that I document some idea in some way. So mm -hmm. I've thought so many times like, well, this is so like spot on. I love this. Of course, I'll remember it an hour later when I get home or something. And then I get home and I just whatever, whatever component of it, whether it was the rhythm or a, a note or something like that, that made it special to me is like out the window. And then I have to like approximate or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, use those voice memos. I mean, and just the act of doing it, I think, helps you helps me at least remember mm -hmm. and make it easier to to get back to that. Totally. So Here's what happened on Sunday. Yeah. You know, um, so we just finished fight songs, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and in my different iTunes piles of different demos for different albums and different projects, you know, I've got some good Howie and Scott material, but I wasn't sure, like, which one. I've got multiple kind of buckets going, mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure which one maybe to do. And the challenge with them is that like, they're all very cool. I want to do them all, but they are all kind of like smaller in scope than V for voice. Sure. Yeah, sure. Which is cool. Like, I think I would love to do a more minimal thing, but I'm also interested, like someday I want to do another personal best, right? Like I want to top yeah, it somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. And So what happened on Sunday? I was clearing off some demos from the iPad, moving them into iTunes. Some of them, a couple of them, are these are things I had slotted in my mind for the 404, but they're big, like epic kind of um, beats, much bigger than anything I've produced on the 404 so far. Oh, right. Like, like I don't know how to explain it. And and what happened in my imagination was I made a connection between these couple of like big four of four beats, song ideas really, and some stuff, some some papers, some legal sheets of song ideas that I had I've never even demoed 
that I wrote when I was in Africa in 2002 oh and 2004. Okay. okay. <laughs> so there's 20 there's 20 year old song ideas and song ideas from last month. And I made this connection in my imagination that like, oh, we could do I'm calling it I'm calling it the party LP. Right. <laughs> we could do this massive. And in my mind, it's like Peter Gabriel oh, meets sh- Jurassic right. Five. Wowzers. <laughs> That's great. These big beats, huge hooks, um, maybe choirs and stuff. It's yeah. Like, and so I got really excited and I went back, I pulled out this folder of the Africa demos and like actually started demoing them in, in voice memo form for the first time. This stuff has only been on paper for 20 oh, years. Wow. Okay. And uh, yeah, so that's the new like exci- I sent Scott this long voice memo like telling him about he's real busy and i didn't want to bother him but um so yeah like i finally the 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 crux of the voice memo was like hey man i finally have a vision for like how we're gonna top v for voice and i'm super excited about it that's so cool so that will obviously take like 10 years to produce and record right 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 but i know where we're headed and that's exciting i right like something that amazes me um, about your process is that you're so you will get excited about ideas and you will work on them and you will like make a lot of progress on them but you're not in a particular like you you're not trying to get it done or finished as soon as possible like just going back to your like your organic organic way of writing i feel like you have a very organic like songwriting process too like you will come up with ideas in the and you will start working on the ideas in earnest once they kind of like make sense to you um like whether it be lyrics or you know riffs or something like that you're like okay this is what's exciting to me now or this is what i have new energy for and it might ebb and flow like i mean with fight songs it was it was a pretty long process but i have no doubt i had i never had any doubt that it was not going to come out or something like that. Like the yeah. whole time, I'm just like, this is going someplace. He know, you know, he has a vision. He knows where it's going. Like it, it's going to happen for sure. Like this is moving, and uh, it's pretty cool to have like that kind of trust or faith in the process to just be like, I'm not even worried about losing steam on this. L- like it'll always. And that's come back one around. of the blessings of like doing music as an avocation, is that no one. No one's knocking down my door asking for another Howie Scott record or whatever, yeah, you know, like sure. people to the extent that anyone listens at all. I think people are happy to listen to it when it's ready. And I've never felt any pressure to work to a deadline. Right. I think it also helps that you're organized. I mean, like, um, even if you don't have like an intricate filing system, the fact that you have like the milk crate and the iTunes demos and all those things is probably more than maybe what a lot of songwriters do. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of like hyper organized and, uh, you know, people color coding, you know, riff ideas by mood or tone or something. But um, my, when I was collecting demos for whatever I do with these, these solo songs, I had to scour every like, device i had to like collect them all they were everywhere yeah and there was one i remember i wrote lyrics for and i sang them and it took me like three days to find where it was and it was like in an old folder in an old like icloud space for an old phone or something like that 
that I like emailed to my work email from my Gmail or something <laughs> for some reason. Right. You know? So I had to go into my sent emails and look for a specific keyword that I thought I might have used to talk about that song. So um, I'm so glad you found it because that's really I'm fairly organized for an artist. But also like what people see is the organization. What you don't see is the more the intuitive, like as I'm listening and I'm moving things around iTunes, like that's all kind of like intuition on like what sounds cool together, like what has the right mix of hanging together, but but not sounding samey. Right, 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 right. Yep. And also what motivates it all is just the the fear and the heartbreak of losing an idea because I Correct. hate that feeling. Yeah, it's awful. It really is like there's something about like it's sort of like waking up from a dream and you know the dream was really powerful yes it's like waking up from a dream that was like powerful in some way and you can't remember what happened in the dream but you can still feel like the emotional residue yes. from that dream so and then it, that's exactly like, the feeling yeah yeah you're like it's just just out of reach and you think maybe you know something has to happen to you that day basically to jog you of the dream it has to be like you see a stop sign and you're like, oh, yeah, I had a dream I was on a boat fishing for stop signs or whatever it is, which is my most emotional dream. But like, right, it's but it's just very weird. And it is heartbreaking to like get excited to sit down to record something and realize that you can't get it back. It's it's yep. gone. Yep. Power of the voice memo. It's neat. And so I guess I guess having a consistent collection point, even if it's just a folder where you throw everything yep. until later. Yep. yep. Just having one spot. What is the is the thing? Uh, forgive me for not knowing, but the thing that you sent me, I think on Sunday, right? Was that related to this the Howie and Scott thing? Maybe. Uh, no, like that's just a four hundred four jam. I'm, okay. I'm working on. So I'm. Um. I, I think I may have alluded to this elsewhere on the show, but like, so post fight songs. My my main project just in my own head is, and this relates to you, I'm making a a solo MS Riot album on the 404 Mark II yeah. as my way of like learning that instrument. And the way I found into it is really those... So what I... I... I needed to learn to make my own vocal samples because I just can't I feel like I can't ask rappers for vocal samples like over and over again and like and I also don't want I love collaboration but I also need solo stuff that I can just mm -hmm. make progress on when I want to right and not yeah, be yeah yeah like behold emailing people or whatever and stuff yeah yep so I definitely want to do both and I want to do more remixes and stuff and I want to make beats for other people. But for this, like I wanted to just make my own vocal samples. And so, you know, I mean, I started this a little bit before um, I read my first Raymond Chandler novel at your yeah. recommendation. But like we had so much fun, um, like making little two or four line hooks out of like Raymond Chandler yeah. lines and stuff. And uh, the song I sent you isn't a Chandler, but like, I'm just trying to get to 10 songs 
produced on the 404 Mark II with my own vocal samples. And like some of them, I don't even know what to call it. Like some of it's definitely like almost instrumental hip hop with a vocal sure. sample. Yeah. But some of it, like the one I sent you is, you couldn't call that hip hop at all. I don't think. No. I don't know. I honestly, but I don't know what you call it. I don't know what you call it either. I've been thinking about it since you sent it to me. And I just kept thinking about, it's not like, it's not like a, like a art, like an avant-garde art piece. It's not, but it's not untraditional. Like there are parts, there are themes. It's got like, it's got like the ingredients of a pop song in a way, but put together in the most, it's like making stew in a boot. Like it's just, it's <laughs> totally, totally unintuitive. The whole thing, I was like, huh, like nothing, nothing was really intuitive to me. And it made, I'm sure, good sense to you or whatever while you're doing it, you know, but it was like, it was still, it was like really interesting. I literally have never heard any music like that before ever. I will, we've talked about it enough. I will put a rough, ma- this is a work in progress, but I will put, uh, so I know you got to go. We'll we'll wrap the show up here. We will end. We'll hear a Van Ripper and Galactivator track. And I will also play a very rough mix. This is a work in progress of the song we're talking about, uh, which has the working title of Time Organ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, awesome. Yeah, but like one, I don't know if it makes sense. Like each piece on the 404 it's been it's done more than I even hoped in terms of like changing my ears and how I listen to things and and opening up my imagination because on the 404 I start basically with a sample typically an instrumental sample sometimes I start with a vocal sample and build everything else around it kind of step by step so like it's it's a process of thinking like okay I've identified a sample what is the next thing that can go with this so that might be a drum beat or it might be a bass line. Sure. And then, but I have no idea what's coming third and fourth at that stage. It's it's one sound at a time. And that's one of the things that's been really fun is because it it really has opened up my imagination to to not make any assumptions about what that next sound needs to be. That's awesome. It could be, and I really think in terms of like, should it be high frequency? Should it be low frequency? Should it be percussive? Should it be sustained? I'm thinking about it in this kind of abstract synth sort of terms. Yeah. And then backing into like, well, then how am I going to create that sound? Am I going to use a guitar? Am I going to find another sample? Right. Um, And that's been super, super fun. And that's why like, it, these songs are taking a very twisty path to get where they end up because it is this just it's this total playground that's neat along with it being a playground it feels like right the kind of the kind of thing that a vocal sample is or a guitar sample is in a traditional song it would be something that would be an overdub maybe at the end of the recording process that to add color or vibe or something and so in a way it's sort of like you're writing songs from the inside out or something. So like the, maybe like the traditional 
hook or the structure of it is like maybe one of the last things you think of or some, I don't know. It's just really fascinating, which probably is again, a lot of fun. Like when you do something like that in a new way, you feel like there are no rules because there aren't, but you really feel it. And then you're like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do whatever feels right. However it ends up. And that'll be really rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. There is, there's a difference to me, at least between telling myself there's no rules but like if I'm holding a guitar, there's, yeah, there's rules. Yeah. There's kind of some rules or at least some yeah. expectations that, that it's really hard to break out of. And the sampler has been amazing for truly breaking out of some of those expectations and and yep. approaching it with a a much more just an empty mindset of just like right. I'm listening and like what else what type of sound will sound cool with this and and being much more open to what the answer to that might be right. The the right rules. I don't know. It's sort of like a, a, t- a tough thing, but right. Sitting down with a guitar. My thought is always the last thing I would want to come up with or do right now or settle on right now is something that I think is really obvious or cliche. Um, whether that be a chord progression or a lyric or, or something like that. I'm just like, I want to avoid that at all costs. And sometimes that can veer you away from things that actually might be really cool um, to do in a sort of different way. But Right. I will go out of my way to get away from like certain progressions that seem like when you listen to it, you're like, I know what chords next. I know the next four chords based on, (laughs) you know, these two or something. Yeah, I kind of share that. And that can be. It's fun to play with rules and fun to play with expectations. And and. I mean, we're all kind of. No one is 100 percent following expectations or 100 percent breaking them you're dialing in a balance, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to to play with that. And, you know, if you find yourself leaning one direction or the other, try flipping it and mm-hmm. seeing and where like, that takes you. To your point, it's neat to have, you still have rules, but there's one rule or, you know, a parameter, which is like, this song is like going to heavily feature the harmonica or something, whatever it is. And then it doesn't really, then you're not like, limiting yourself in any other way other than got to make space for that rip and harmonica solo. Absolutely. Yeah. I find, I find that type of structure really fun and helpful to, to, to have like one or two parameters or rules that I just put on myself, you know, to, to give me a direction. Cause like, yeah, that, that totally blank slate. It's really hard. It is really hard. But like, right, even mostly with writing, writing's, writing's great. I I approach it for some reason so much differently than I approach music. Um, I, my, I, do, I do so much more like pre-work and drafting and like I'll, th- I'll do a million things. Um, but it's neat to get a like, like a prompt that like this, it has to start with this sentence or it has to end up here or it's got to feature this event or something like that. It's pretty fun. Yeah, and it doesn't mean those writing exercises are good, whether you you know, release or publish or whatever the results of it or not. I think that mm-hmm. just the exercise and the practice is good. Absolutely. Um, and there's one, there's one thing I meant to say before, before we end, I want to make sure I don't forget, which is something I think about a lot is so favorite writer, Raymond Chandler didn't actually get um, anything published until he was about 50 or so. Um, and I think that's about when he wrote his, he'd written short stories before that were published in like black mask, you know, pulp comics. Um, but he, 
didn't actually start doing novels until he was well well older. It's a bummer because then he died before he could like write, you know, 10 more of them or something. Um, but I love, you know, it's not like, oh, wow, I can still make it at, you know, 50. It's not about that. It's like this guy never gave up and uh, he was like still making plans at that age, like still having new ideas and new goals and stuff like that, which I think is so cool and still trying to find his voice. So absolutely. And getting be- doing personal best, right? Like his last yeah. novel published posthumously. I think widely agreed is his best. It's certainly a great one. Right. And 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 a personal best in in some areas, even if, you know, if someone has a different favorite, obviously, that's totally fine. But um, long goodbye. Incredible. It's so good. Yeah. Start with a different one. I think it's good to build up if you're going to read some Chandler and I recommend that you do, you know, read a couple, three of the earlier ones before you read the long goodbye. Yeah. The long goodbye is like his uh change is gonna come <laughs> i don't know i don't know how else to put that but it's like his like that's his like i think like his opus if i want to use a, a bad journalism turn but uh right the other but they're all fun which is great it's an opus but every single book the short ones and the long ones are all fun like lady in the lake big sleep all of them are like the sentences are just a joy so anyway and he's another, uh, you know, he illustrates another thing we were talking about, which is just his earlier pulp kind of short story work. A lot of expectations in that kind of genre, Tons. right? Like it's all a little of it, more, yeah. you got to hit some, you got to hit some points. And he played with that and that informed where he took his writing later when he was more free to do what he wanted. Right. And in some ways that like still haven't been. I don't right. I can't. There are a lot of writers that you could say are very similar to him, but even the most similar are very different. Yeah. Um, especially just in his tone and voice, like it's wild. So. Cool. Uh, Corey, great to see you. Great to talk. Yeah. We should do it again. Super good soon. to see you. Loved it. Listeners, have a great week. Uh, we'll be back at you next week on our regular schedule with an incredible guest, Jazz. Um, so, uh, really looking forward to bringing that to you. And until then, this has been the long play listening party. We're going out on some fan ripper and galactivator. Here we go. Yeah. Thank you. Save your toothpaste, don't like surprises Step out at dusk, game face like fate Feel the light breeze, Hallow's Eve leaves Changing, I'm a fucking care bear So's my wife and my daughter Tender-hearted motherfucker next year Harry Potter first house on the block Eight o'clock, knock, knock, ding dong God damn it, doorbell, tick tock Don't try to act like you're not Just sitting in your dark living room Hurry up, not kidding Peace.
top till I get tight to Move aside, little buddy, let me show you what it do Surprise, motherfucker, I'm a sucker MC Big time, blow pop, dumb, dumb, that's me Big man about town, Mr. Number One Snack, I'm most set, nothing left but an Eminem rapper Move all the loot back to the stash spot 35th Street, no sound, door locked Pile it up, midnight on the dot At the bottom of the bag, what's that? Pop rocks, middle of the night, wake up, not right Dealing with the sugar high, times 45 Start seeing shit, dead guy, but alive Goes to Halloween, future rub eyes, no lie Beckons me out of the window, we fly Look down at the city, no moon, black sky Feet hit the ground, look down, graveside Read my name on the stone, no shit, God, why? Have to change my ways, okay, that's fine Ask the Mr. Spooky guy, is there still time? My dude nods his head, alright, won't die Till I go beast mode next No ghost with pain or time.
No ghost with me 